Wednesday, March 23rd, welcome to the Just Baseball Show. Right in the middle of ranking catchers and then first base on Thursday, we're doing something arguably even cooler. We're grading each division starting today with the NL East. And I have the perfect person to welcome on, our Marlins guy. And just kind of, uh, you're like an NL East guy, though, because you have such strong feelings about the Mets, the Phillies, the Braves, everybody, and of course your Marlins. What's up, dude? What's going on, dude? Yeah, this is a this is a great time to do this division. Not only because you know I've covering the Marlins initially before just baseball and just being up close to to all those teams, just kind of beating up on the Marlins a little bit, except for the Phillies for whatever reason. Um, this division has been as lively as any this off season, right? I mean, the AL East has been pretty nuts, uh, but I'd say the NL East on the National League side has, has been as as active as any division in baseball, uh, even down to the nationals, which I would have thought would have done nothing. You know, they did a little bit. So, I mean, it's pretty awesome to see how busy uh, the NL East was. So I think it's a great division to start with. I mean, just think about the general managers in this division or the guys making the decisions, at least guys or girls, because and in girl, the, I'll say, and, and of girl. course, and women with the New York Mets, you got Steve Cohen and his $18 trillion makes about what the owner of the Reds makes in every morning before 9am as he checks I his love, portfolio. I love- I love the bit that just Bob Castellini's broke. We're just like trolling Bob Castellini <laughs> for being broke. <laughs> oh boy, 400 million. Are you kidding me? That's nothing. If you want to be an owner, no wonder he's selling his entire team. But we're going to do the adult. He's not a billionaire? No, he's not a billionaire. I think he's a 400 millionaire guy. No wonder he doesn't have any he's money. He's a broke boy. He is a broke boy. I barely have 400 bucks, but like, <laughs> dude, that he's a broke boy. Okay, that's that makes sense now. But still, four hundred million, good oh. amount. And he's not even the—he's not even the main owner. I think he owns like what twenty-five percent of the of the Reds or something. I think he's a minority owner too. Why does everyone shit on him so much? Because it's funny, and his name is Castellini. And I said Casta sell the team, and we've just gone with it. It doesn't mean that he actually owns all the Reds. But you know, we don't care. For but we're talking about the NLEs. We're talking about the analyst. We're talking about Steve Cohen and his $20 billion. We're talking about Kim Nang and Derek Jeter, of all people, who's now gone. Philly's got Dave Dombrowski. He'll literally do whatever he wants. And then who? the Braves got a top five, honestly. Alex Anthopoulos, Jack and I were talking about that. When you're going through the best general managers in the oh. sport, is he not top five or at least yeah. close? He absolutely is. Absolutely. I mean, the, the World Series is, is, I think, proof in the pudding, but like, I mean, just just the, the way the guy wheels and deals, he, he's not just a spender. I mean, the, the the Braves are efficient. We could talk about them for a while. I know you talked about it a couple episodes ago, how they locked these guys up pre-arbitration. He's smart with contracts. He's smart with signings. They have always, they never have an elite farm system because they're always competing, but they always have a decent farm. I mean, the Braves are always in a good spot. Braves are always in a really good spot. And then the last one, Mike Rizzo, 
you know, he has probably the hardest job in the entire sport. He's got to decide whether he wants to give one out of $500 million or pay anybody else on the team because you'd need more than one guy to field a team of 25, especially a team of nine. And this roster right now, team of nine, it's not good. You want to just start with the water. You want to start from worst to best or go from best to worst because the Nationals – didn't have a very good offseason. Let's start from worst to best. Let's be transparent here. I, I, let's start with the Nationals because I know – well, I, I was going to say let's start with the Nationals because because people will cut the episode off once we get to them. But I realize people could just skip ahead right now. <laughs> they're, they're clicking skip, 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 skip. No, I actually think the Nationals, look, they did more than I thought they would. But we, like, how many if, – if I gave you, Peter, 20 guesses, 20, two zero guesses to where Nelson Cruz would end up, would you have guessed nationals in those? If you gave me, tw- if you gave me 20. twenty-nine guesses, I mean, it's like, the, well, I would have thought he would go to the Rockies. Rockies, I would have guessed. Thought Rockies. he'd go to the Rockies. I think, I think the Nationals are my twenty-eighth or twenty-ninth guess as to where he would have went. So this is what the Nationals did in the offseason. They got Cesar Hernandez, they got Nelson Cruz, they got Michael Franco, they got Adrianza. And they added a little bit to their bullpen by getting Steve Shisek and Sean Doolittle. If we're grading this offseason, this is a C plus. And the reason I'm calling it a C plus is they aren't worse than they were last year. I do like <laughs> no. the Nelson Cruz signing. He'll definitely add some protection to Juan Soto in that lineup, which they needed desperately. I like Josh Bell, but you need a guy like Nelson Cruz to, to get in the middle of those two big lefties. They added to their bullpen, which was important. Two guys that they didn't spend a lot of money on, but do have the pedigree there with Shisek and Doolittle. But overall, this team is going to finish last in the NL East. Yeah. And I would give them a C plus. What would you give them? Yeah, I'll give them a C plus too, because like you said, I I think, and I know that the letter grades are a bit arbitrary, but I think the, the way we look at it is this, right? At least in, in college for us, right? Anything below a C is bad, like, but a C you'll take, right? So I think C is like status quo for these teams. Uh, obviously, if they were supposed to improve and like a team that had a great farm and did nothing or cleared a lot of money off the books and did nothing, then we're going to give them lower than a C. But I think the, the Nationals were slightly better than the status quo, right? Because you mentioned Cesar Hernandez as well. He actually had a pretty decent year. He's 31, will be 32, closer to when the season starts. He can play all over. He hit 21 home runs. He's a switch hitter. That's a guy they'll probably flip. And if you can get a couple prospects for him, you know, middle-level prospects, that's great. I think they're going to flip Nelson Cruz as well. Um, and, and they were willing to pay Cruz uh, for that reason. And this is a team that really needs to improve the farm system. So I like the Nelson Cruz signing a ton because I think that will probably get them. Uh, if he continues to be Nelson Cruz, to the, the prospect return that they need, but also it gives you a fighting chance, right? Like you talk about, and I'm not saying fighting chance to make the playoffs, but just to be a decent team. Juan Soto would have been walked. We talked about this uh, like a few weeks ago, 50,000 times, Peter, he would, he would have never seen a pitch to hit. Never. He's still going to walk a ton, but if you have Nelson Cruz behind him and Josh Bell behind that, like you're not just going to put, you're not going to put Soto on with a man on first and put two guys aboard for then Cruz and Josh Bell. Like that lineup is still decent enough in the middle that you're going to still try to pitch to Soto in certain spots. Don't get me wrong. They're going to walk him a lot, but Cruz totally gives this team a different look. And if we're talking about the NL East, possibly the best move that they made all off season was re-signing Eric Fetty to avoid arbitration, not re-signing, just signing him to a new deal. 
to avoid arbitration. We all know if you're an NL East fan, you know that Eric Fetty dominates the Marlins like nobody's oh, business. I've so at least him. at least they just got five or six war when he <laughs> plays the Marlins. So he's gonna car. I don't know what it is, bro. I have no idea. No, okay, I have to tell this story because you put me on to this. So, uh, of course, <laughs> we're not gambling advice. This is how we know it. Because when Eric Fetty was facing the Marlins, um, I don't remember who was pitching for the Marlins, but I'm like, hey, dude, I'm thinking about the over here. I like these matchups. Um, it was in Washington. It wasn't in Miami. So I was like, oh, what do you think? He's like, do not bet the over. Go look at what Eric Fetty does against the Marlins. And I looked and it was 18 and two thirds. If I'm not mistaken, it was 18 and two thirds with like two earned runs. Like he just, and he struck out like 22 guys and he's not a strikeout guy. So I was like, okay. So I was like, all right, I trust you. Pounded the under, they could finish one zero. I think he threw like an eight inning gem. Like it was unbelievable that we kept hammering it and it kept hitting. It was, uh, we looked at our not gambling advice stats, like betting on those games. I think we were four and oh, just the ultimate Eric Fetty against the Marlins. You gotta get it. You you texted me and I, you're like, I like this over. I was like, dude, in any other universe, that's a yeah. genius over. Like, I can't tell you how weird it is. This guy owns the Marlins. This is the stat line. I just pulled it up. <laughs> he made four starts against the fish last year. 22 and a thirds innings, 27 Ks, two walks. Yeah. A 1.61 ERA. Are you kidding me? Like, and, and just so you know, for, for context, his numbers on the year, 5.47 ERA, <laughs> negative 1.4 war. <laughs> Not like, a good pitcher, but he just... He becomes Nolan Ryan against the Marlins. It's crazy. That's one of the most like, just like random baseball things that you just have to only baseball, only, only baseball. baseball, Eric Fetty. Cause it's not like, I mean, it's, I mean, you're rarely going to find in the NBA, right? Guards who just shoot the three lights out against the Pistons. Like, yeah. like oh, or just... in the NFL, like a rant, like Kirk Cousins, I mean, actually, I guess you could maybe see in the NFL like a quarterback versus certain defense. But think about this. It's it's as if who's the Eric Fetty version of a quarterback. Um, Imagine if like Duke Johnson, bro, just like goes for 200 yards every time he plays the Titans. Like it's just the weirdest thing in the world. I And, and I just I don't get it, but it's going to be hilarious to monitor this year. Good pickup because that's a win against the Marlins every time. And then, you know what, dude? I don't hate the Annabelle Sanchez signing. Apparently, John Heyman tweeted that he looked so good in his workout because he, he didn't pitch last he year that they, he had, like, several offers within 10 minutes. That's so cool. Which is kind of cool. <laughs> Sanchez is a guy that, you know, he started with the Florida Marlins in 06. Uh, and you know what? Like, he's been pretty darn solid. Injuries kind of messed him up in 2020. He was very solid in 2019. Made 30 starts, pitched to a 3 at 5 ERA. That's a guy, too, though. He can anchor the back of your rotation if he's healthy, and you can probably flip him as well. I mean, I'm just looking at every guy as a trade piece, realistically. Like, this is the only way this team's going to get their system better. Uh, I think C-Sheck, you're hoping, will we'll turn it around a little bit. And Doolittle is a really interesting one because he's kind of back to, to where he was right, for the World Series. That's where he won it, right? And I mean, I'm interested to see if he can get back to his form at all. But it, it's an interesting team. Um, they could be worse. Uh, but, you know... It, they, they made some decent moves. I, that's, that's basically all they're trying a little bit, right? Like they tried a little bit. They are trying a little bit. And a team that's trying a little bit harder is the Miami Marlins. A I bit. would give their off season a B minus. I think that's fair for the Marlins because I think we thought 
that they could do better. And I know you're going to have a better way of wording this, that they could have done better. But the reality is, this is what they did. They signed Jorge Soler. They signed Avisel Garcia. They signed Jacob Stallings. So Jorge Soler, the left fielder, Avisel Garcia to play right field. And Jacob Stallings, of course, to be the catcher. They also traded for Joey Wendell. And then they also traded for Luis Heed. So they didn't add a ton to the rotation, but they really didn't need to because it's one of the deepest rotations in the sport. The bullpen overall, not bad. Not bad either. They didn't add a bunch to it, but uh, when I'm looking through it, it's deep. It's not very top heavy, but it is deep. And the offense is overall better. Arum, why do you think a B minus is fair? You made Lewis had Hispanic. What did I say? Luis Heed. Luis Heed. Because of Luis Heel. That's a Yankee. I have to be completely honest. I don't even know who that is. I yeah, he's, I, I didn't know who he was either. I, all I know is that the, Mar- the second the Marlins traded for him from the Rays, uh, everyone was just like, the Marlins got head. And that was just like the, that was just. The I don't even remember him on the Rays, really. No, I don't either, but he was all right, I guess. Um, they need to, they need to make another bullpen move or two. Um, ironically, Craig Mish just came out with a piece today about all of the almost moves the Marlins made, uh, about how the Pirates wanted Khalil Watson and Max Meyer uh, for Brian Reynolds, how the Marlins were in talks with Ramon Laureano, uh, but J.J. Boudet was asked for, and the Marlins kind of scoffed at that, uh, how they were in talks for Teoscar Hernandez, but that fell apart. Uh, so a bunch of almosts, right? And, and this is the thing. Uh, the Marlins got better. We talked about that, right? And I think they got better enough to, to push them into the B territory. What makes it a B minus, I think, is that you have a team in the Marlins that maybe has one of the most deep pitching, starting pitching situations in terms of youth and controllability that you're going to find in baseball with Sandy Alcantara, Trevor Rogers, Pablo Lopez. You, then you have, of course, Max Meyer, but Eliezer Hernandez, who's all right. Uh, you have uh, Jesus Lizardo, who looked phenomenal uh, the day we're recording this phenomenal. now. Phenomenal. Uh, oh, my God. He was sitting really? 98. And oh, we, we know when we had him on the podcast, 99. Yeah, we, was, yeah we, we had him on the, him on the podcast. podcast, right? And what did he say, Peter? He was talking about how, how hard he's working. To, yeah, he was talking about how hard he was working to, to really improve the command, to improve the stuff, to, to take himself to the next level. And, I mean, you and I, the second we hung up on that podcast, we're like, this kid's going to figure it out. Like, he's Absolutely. just going to figure it out. It's exactly and, and what it, we said. It's exactly so, what we said. I can't say it better than that. So, I mean, the Marlins are in a great spot there. And – they should be cashing in on the prospects, right? I'm not letting any prospect stop me from getting Brian Reynolds or, or something else. And that's the problem. And, I, and I, I turn it back on you here. It's like, yes, they needed bats and they got two decent ones with Jorge Soler and Abby Garcia. That's great. Getting trading for Stallings was massive because they needed a catcher bad, bad. I mean, they had the worst catching situation in baseball. That was huge. Adding Joey Wendell also great because Joe panic and Isan Diaz had 500 plate appearances last year, but that, that, that makes you better. But is there a team with a weirder center field situation right now than the Marlins? Like, how do you not have a center fielder in Lone Depot Park? I, I just, I'm, I, they could still make a move. And that's why I want to I have this contingency. If they go out and get, let's say it's not Ramon Laureano so for, for argument's sake, let's say they go out and get somebody like Miles Straw. What would you rate this offseason then? Probably go from a B minus to a B. Because I I think the Marlins, why I gave them a B minus is because it's not a C plus. No, it's not a C. They are a better team than last year. They are a better team. They are more offensively gifted. The rotation is still great. And their bullpen is at least the same. They are better than they were last year. But 
not a lot better. And when you understand what the Marlins could have done, they, like you said, they have all the prospects in the world. This is one of the best farm systems in the sport. They could flip all of these guys for bats. We were just talking about it. The Christian Yelich trade. None of those four players are still on the team. Don't you want to reverse that? Don't yeah. you want to do that to the Pirates? Get yeah. Brian Reynolds for four players who might not ever be on their team? Remember, it's always great to prospect hug, of course, especially when you have those level of prospects. They're they're all phenomenal. Marlins, you have a great farm system. Use it. Now use is it. the time to use it. When are you ever going to be able to get this again? And when I say this, I mean the starting pitching dude. Like yeah. young, controllable, exciting young pitchers. And you already got three, four, five in the big league rotation. Then you got three more in the minors. Like we're not even I, talking about like a guy like Jake Eater, who I love yeah. as a left-handed starter Amazing. outside of Max Meyer, outside yeah. of Elias Hernandez, outside of all these guys. Like you had such a prime opportunity to get an A plus to go past the Phillies, to compete with the Mets and the Braves. Like you add two major bats to this, and maybe you mix in Solaire Abby Garcia, maybe you. Maybe you mix and match around, but like it could have been a really good team. And also why it's a B minus and maybe not a B or B plus, because I think each individual signing, like Avisel Garcia signing, might have been one of the weirder ones of the offseason. Jorge Soler, I do like for market value, 13 million. Totally fine. fine. But, you know, that's not the best signing in the world. Like Five years for Avi. Five years for Avi is just, it's too too much. much. Three. Three. If they gave him three, I'm like, all right. Yeah, it's fine. Five years for a team that doesn't commit five years. The last time they committed five years to a dude, it was Wei Yin Chen. I mean, come on now. Like, this is the guy. That's the guy you want to commit five years to is, is Avi Garcia. That's the first. And not and mind you, like, the other thing is, is again, what could have been is, is what's holding the Marlins back here. They could have just paid Starling Marte. He wanted to come back. He said yeah. he wanted to come back. They did not want to pay him what, what he ultimately wanted, which wasn't even that much. Is 78 million to Starling Marte, or would you rather have, you know, Avi Garcia for 55, 56, whatever it is? Like, I would way rather have Marte. And the other side of it, too, is like you look at like Matt Chapman, for example. That guy was acquired for very little. Now he was just extended for two years, $25 million. Marlins could have done that. I, I, I just think that they were hesitant. They missed their opportunity to strike. The lockout definitely hurt them, uh, hurt a lot of the momentum. But at the end of the day, they acquired Joey Wendell, who's going to make them better. They acquired Stallings, who's going to make them better. They still need to go get a bullpen arm or two, and I think they will, uh, which I think will put them closer to the B territory. Center fielder, if it's Ramon Oriana, we're giving him a B plus. But you know, and apparently those talks have not fully, fully shut down. Uh, but I just think, dude, if you're going into the season with your center fielder as Jesus Sanchez, who we love as a hitter, uh, but not as a center fielder, uh, it's you can't give that – you can't give that offseason anything better than a B minus. You just can't. You can't. And I have another question for you. If they had signed Nick Castellanos instead of Jorge Soler, let's say they gave him five years, a hundred, you know, they gave him the five year, hundred million that he got with the Phillies. Or is this a B offseason? Is this a B plus? Is it still B minus because you may not love that deal? What do you think? I think it would still be a B minus, man. Cause you still have the same problems, right? Yep. Like, I, I really think you look at Cassianos, he's a defensive liability. And and how is he going to hit in Lone Depot? I, a guy I don't who know. wanted to come to Miami. I know, another guy that wanted to come to Miami. Look, I would have been happy with the signing. It's not my money, but 
(laughs) when you know the Marlins pinch pennies and that would have been five years now for two guys, two guys locked up for five years, $155 million roughly that for the Marlins could, could tie your hands behind your back for a while. And that's not two guys that I want to take that chance on, to be honest. Um, If they did it without the Avi signing, I'm all in. I would have loved it, but I think it's Avi or Castellanos. They picked Avi Garcia for whatever reason. And uh, that's what it's going to be. I think it's because he can play a little bit of center. They're hoping he's fast, but he also stinks defensively. Like he's not that great. Uh, he's a lot and better a, than Cassianos. And think about but, this, in a in a small outfield in Milwaukee playing defense versus now an enormous outfield in Miami. Like how, and, you and playing in the better? corner. Yeah, you think and he's going to get play, better? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, playing in the corner in Milwaukee, and now they're like, oh, yo, dude, you, you want to split some time in center with Jesus Sanchez? Like, dude, dude. I, it's going to be it's going to be a, a legit <laughs> I, Joe Fasaro, uh, my new friend, uh, had a funny tweet about this, actually, now that I'm unblocked. Um, and I'm unblocked. <laughs> He's like, the Marlins are going to look like a beer league team in the outfield and we're going to love it. And I was like, you know what? Like, screw it. The Marlins offense has been so bad that I think, yeah, again, that's why you got to give it up better than, a, than anything in the C territory. Because, I mean, Solaire could feasibly hit you 30 plus home runs, maybe even more than that. Um, you know, Avi Garcia could hit you 25 to 30 with good athleticism. And if you get that from those two guys, that's a far cry from what they were dealing with before. And again, I mean, the drop off from, from Joey Wendell to Panic and Isan Diaz. I mean, th- this is going to help them a lot. And then don't get me started with the catchers. So this team's going to be a lot better. I think this team could, if everything goes right pitching-wise, make a push for, for 80 wins. I, I think they can, if everything goes right pitching-wise. Uh, but again, this is not a team that you're like, oh, we're playing the Marlins four-game sweep. You know, I think they, they, made, they made good enough moves to make themselves a team that, you know, you're not just kind of, looking past on the calendar. Like they're, they're, they're a decent baseball team. Agreed. The Phillies finished 82 and 80 last year. And if I were to grade their off season, I would give them a B. I think they got better. And I think that they will end up finishing with more than 82 wins next year. Remember they signed Kyle Schwarber to a big time deal. They signed Nick Castellanos to a big time deal. They signed Johan Camargo. Okay, for their bench, we'll take it. Um, They didn't add anything to the rotation, but I like, I really do like what they did in their bullpen. They added Corey Kniebel from the Dodgers. They added Jerry's Familia from the Mets. They also added Brad Hand, and they traded again for Nick Nelson. So their bullpen was the issue, and they added a guy. I'm just looking up all these ERAs right now. Let me see these ERAs for Corey Knievel. Like, yeah, Corey Knievel was a two four five ERA guy. Brad Hand wasn't awesome, but he was 64 innings, 3.90 ERA. Jerry's Familia, another guy with 3.94 ERA. Like, this was a bullpen full of fours and fives, and now it's much better. I think the offense is overall better. So this is a better team, but I think the reason that we give them a B, not a B plus, not an A minus, not nearly an A, is because there is a glaring problem. There is, and I'm going to say it again, there is a glaring problem with the defense. This defense finished with the lowest defensive run saved out of every defense. And what defensive run saved is doesn't even matter. They were the lowest at it. It's a defensive stat and they sucked at it. Yeah. That, and, and they almost like got worse. Like, let's go through the lineup for a second. Schwarber, DH, not a good left fielder, but they're going to have a- DHing, you're in trouble. 
you're in trouble. Nick Castellanos, another DH option. Bryce Harper is not a good defensive right fielder. Like he's, he's fine. I think he's average at best. Not a liability, but he's not good. Exactly. Jito Romuto, absolute stud behind the plate. That's your best defender. No hate there. That's awesome. Hoskins. Hoskins. No, he's like, he rates as not a good defensive first baseman. I think Phillies fans can attest to it too. Like he's not a good picker of the ball. There was some out bone picks last year that Reese missed too, that Reese could have caught. What What are his X picks? Yeah, not the X picks should be much better than his actual fucking picks. Gene Segura, not a good defensive second baseman. Like, fine. 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 DD Gregorius, the worst defensive shortstop by the metrics last year. Alec Bohm, one of the worst defensive third baseman by the metrics last year. And I don't know what to think about Odebel Herrera in center field or Matt Veerling or Adam Hazley or Mickey Moniak, any of these guys. None of them are going to do anything. So, yeah. I would give them a B. That's I the just worst went, defensive. I, I just got kind of fired up, but I, did, I do give it a B. Would you agree with that? Is a B? Yeah, I mean, that's the only reason why. I mean, offensively, they're freaking amazing. Um, they might be one of the more, like, they might be among the league leaders and homers. I mean, can't you see Castellanos going oppo to right field all the time? Schwarber is going to wear out that right field porch, too. Uh, I mean, I think Real Muto is going to bounce back and have a better offensive season this year. Hoskins was on fire before he got hurt. Segura continuously rakes. DD can't be worse. Bohm can't be worse. So, I mean, this is a team that I think could be one of the best offensively. But here's the thing. Instead of trying to hedge their weaknesses, they pushed all the chips forward in their strengths. I'll tip the cap to uh, Dave Dombrowski. He's, he's just, he's got a big set of balls and he said, screw it. But here's the thing, dude, is like everyone's going to talk about Aaron Nola and how Aaron Nola, uh, you know, and his expected stats don't line up with his actual stats. I don't want to hear it this year if it's the same. Right. I, I think Nola's phenomenal. But if we're going to talk about expected stats and, and all that good stuff, throw it out the window, because the expectation is that a lot of balls are going to get through and a lot of balls are going to fall in the outfield and the defense is not going to be how they win. This is going to be a team that's going to have to click on all cylinders offensively. And I think in today's game, that's just not the way to win. I will say, though, I mean, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Noah give you a chance every single day out there. They could be, even though Noah was shaky last year, if, if he goes out and gives you eight scoreless, are you surprised? No, like he's not a guy that's a capable bit. of that on any given day. Ranger Suarez, really emerging, oh. good, good arm. And Kyle Gibson, we're not high on him, but like, He's a good four. Yeah, it's a great four. Then you got Eflin coming back too, and Hans Kraus can even be a guy that you slot in as like a pitching. They're good. Pitching, they're they're good. good. That one through six arm with Schwarber, Cassianos, Harper, Real Muto, Hoskins, Segura. That's one of the best first six in a lineup that we have. Like that's loaded. It's insane. It's it's insane, and it's just can they overcome the defense? I I wonder too because like Cassianos is going to be in left. he was batting right in a short porch. Now there's going to be more space and left for him out there. Unless they put Harper in left, it's, it's going to be a bad, bad defensive team. Um, but again, you add Schwarber and Castellanos, you, you could have just added 70 home runs um, or more. And that's if they're trying to capitalize on the strength, those are the two guys you want in that ballpark. I mean, they're, they're going to mash. Um, I think for the price, what was it? How, what was the price for Schwarber? 70 something million dollars. Cassianos was a hundred. Yeah. 170 something for those two guys is not that bad. No. Uh, they're both at 29, 30 years old, respectively. I, I, I like it. Um, it's just, 
you can't neglect your biggest weakness and not neglect. They actually said, fuck it. Let's make it worse. And, Literally. you know, I think it's impossible to give them better than a B. I, and then to wrap up my thoughts on the bullpen, I think Brad Hand is a good bounce back candidate. He's still just 32. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy that like, again, it's, it's not like he's a starting pitcher who's fading. Relievers can recapture it pretty easily. I know, but his stuff kind of sucks though, doesn't it? Like you watch I, him I, and you're just like, this guy doesn't have it anymore. I hope he does though. He's 32. Like, yeah, he I, could. He could. I, right. I agree. I agree. He did not look the part last year, but I love him as a flyer. I think Familia is a good flyer too, but that's my kind of my problem too, is I feel like it's, it's a couple flyers. Corey Knable is not even really proven. Alvarado is, is inconsistent. Like Knable was good, but he only threw 25 innings last year and that's your closer. So like, I would like to see them go get another reliever. I think the Nick Nelson pickup was good. Uh, I like that they added relievers, but again, like that, they should have been spending for Kenley Jansen or somebody like that. Like they needed to establish dude in the back end, not just another masher, like, do they need Schwarber and Castellanos or could they have just used that money instead to get a couple really solid bullpen arms? I think that, you know, they went all in on one aspect of their game and, and I think it's going to leave them a bit vulnerable. Uh, probably the best team to play with on MLB The Show, though. I think that's going to be my team I pick every time. Slight, slightly breaking news, and it might make sense because we're talking about the Marlins, but this is just a signing that just happened. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez one-year deal to bypass arbitration with the Blue Jays. Do you think that means he's not getting traded? What do you think that means? Yeah, I think he's, I think he's sticking. Yeah, there I, agree. Um, I agree. I think, you know, he, he, um, the, the Blue Jays wanted a third base upgrade, which, uh, you know, and they wanted either a left bat and then they wanted pitching. Uh, so the Marlins would have been able to give him like Max Meyer and Brian Anderson. And, and that's kind of what, what Craig Mish was talking about. Um, once they went out and got Matt Chapman, I think that ship sailed. And it's funny how shortly after, with Tay Oscar. So that team is going to be, I can't wait till we talk AL East uh, uh, grades too. That's going to be fun. That's going to be really fun. So let's talk about the New York Mets. The New York Mets, I would give their off season an A. I really would. I thought the New York Mets fucking killed it. They signed Starling Marte to play center field. They signed Eduardo Escobar to a two-year deal to play third base with J.D. Davis. They signed Mark Canna to a two-year deal to man the outfield, probably going to play left. They signed Max Scherzer to an insane three-year deal worth about a billion dollars for a 37-year-old. But who cares? We saw him in spring training. He's still lighting it up again. And I thought it was great. He threw five innings in spring training. Like, what an awesome <laughs> he threw like 75 pitches. He's, what a psycho. He is full-blown a psychopath. I, I, real quick, sorry to cut you off in the middle of this, but before I forget uh, – well, a couple of my buddies that play pro ball that work out at uh, Cressy down here in Florida in Palm Beach, they, they said that Max Scherzer's in there just ripping cone drills like for hours, like, like a psychopath. And he, he went up to went up to my buddy Zach Cone, ironically Cone, but my buddy Zach Cone with a K. And he goes, what's your split time? And Zach was like, he's a shortstop too. He's like, I don't know. And Scherzer just goes right back into it, just doing splits on the cones and just like, what just flying. Just doing combine seconds. drills. Just doing just, combine drills. He's a psycho. And another great signing was Chris Bassett, but that wasn't a signing. They traded for Chris right. Bassett. I mean, what a trade that was. We're going to go over that in a bit. They also added Adam Ottavino to their bullpen. And they also picked up Chase and Shreve. Um, on a low end, 
probably like a minor league. Just, I mean, but I think he might actually be in their ro- in their bullpen um, come opening day. I would give them an A. I think they had one of the best off seasons of anybody. I think their offense is absolutely loaded now. Their rotation is certainly set behind arguably the greatest combination of a ace and a number two starter that we've ever had in baseball. They also added Chris Bassett, who's really just like so solid. He has, he's had like a three, two, six ERA since 2017 or something like that. I mean, just been really great for a long time now. And then Carrasco and McGill, those obviously weren't offseason additions, but that's what rounds out the rotation. The bullpen looks better with Adam Ottavino put in there. And the offense is a top five offense in baseball. And now they're one of the prohibitive favorites to win the World Series. They're one of the top five teams to win the World Series. Like they absolutely killed it. Give it up to Steve Cohen. What a job he did. I give this offseason an A. Yeah, I, it's got to be an A. I mean, here's the thing, too. This wasn't just blind spending. I, I thought the Phillies were more blind spenders than than the Mets, if we're going to be honest. I think the Mets went after specific needs a bit more and were a bit more cost-effective with some of their moves. I know they threw money at Scherzer, but like that's that's a guy you throw the blank check at. Uh, Scherzer. And it's a pitcher. It's a pitcher, right? Like I think throwing the big checks at two clunker guys in the outfield slash GH is not quite the same. I love the Marte signing. As you know, you mean that guy was one of the best in baseball last year, no matter what metric you look at F4, especially though uh, in in limited action compared to other teams and in two of the least hitter friendly parks in baseball. Not that, you know, the Mets home park is the, not that city field is a bandbox, but it's better than the two places Marte called home between Miami and uh, Oakland. Then also these, I mean, Escobar cost-effective move, Canna cost-effective move that both are guys that I think are really going to help them. And then we talked about this a couple episodes ago and we said it's a B plus right now for the Mets because the rotation still makes me a bit nervous. And what did they do shortly after they go get Chris Bassett and Chris Bassett as your three is, is phenomenal. And they got him for what was a great deal too. I, I like JT again. I think JT Ginn's a high floor arm, uh, but you're not losing sleep over parting with JT Ginn. You had Chris Bassett now to that rotation. You, if you get something out of Carrasco or, and, or it doesn't have to be both Carrasco and Taiwan Walker as he comes back from that knee scope. If one of those two guys hit, hit as in pitch, <laughs> Tyler McGill is a fine five. This team is pretty much satisfying every single need. They needed a one more bullpen arm in there. And Ottavino is a guy that I don't trust in the ninth. Don't love in the eighth. Very happy with him in the seventh. And I think that's exactly what he's going to be doing. So they're in a great spot. If I'm only going to poke a couple of holes, because I really do think it was an A, I thought they absolutely killed it, but they did lose out on Javier Baez, who was excellent for them. They did lose Marcus Stroman. They lost Jonathan VR. They lost Rich Hill. They lost Aaron Loop. They're probably going to lose Michael Conforto. They lost... Kevin Pillar and they lost Noah Syndergaard and Jerry's Familia. Like they also lost a lot. So they had to make up for it by signing a lot, but all of those signings uh, we thought were really good. And the bullpen, even though they lost Aaron loop, who was probably their best bullpen. Arm I was going to say loop might be yeah. the biggest loss. Loop he might, might be the be. biggest. Well, maybe but, Javier Baez is pretty big. Yeah. But relative, to their, relative to their yeah, team. Right I agree. Now, with, I know what you said. Like, like yeah, I don't think you know, Stroman, obviously, like if that's your if that's your freaking four, you're in great shape. But Chase and Shreve's their only lefty right now, and he's a non-roster invitee. 
uh, that's your only lefty out of the bullpen right now. Or Joey Lucchese when he comes back, who is not a he's bullpen. A starter. Really. He's a starter. He's not or a he's guy. A, he's something. He's a pitcher. <laughs> like a swing man. Yeah. He's a swing man. I, I that losing loop and not really bringing in another lefty is probably the only thing that keeps him from an A plus. If they went out and got a, a good lefty reliever, maybe they go get Tony Watson, then maybe they push to an A plus. Uh, but I think that's really the only thing that's holding them back from from the A plus. But I mean, a, a comfortable A, and we don't give we don't give out a lot of A's out here. We don't. And Chris Bassett, they really needed Chris Bassett to your point about the starting rotation because even like a guy like Tywin Walker, knee injury. Like, we, we don't know how much of the season he's going to miss right now. I mean, I could go on the old Google machine and find it, but he will start the season injured, so that is something to note. I just think this team has to add another bullpen piece. I think they have to add another lefty. But it's a pretty fucking good team, dude. It's it's, it's arguably one of the best. One of the best. <laughs> and one of the other low-key, nerdy, Aurum type things and i'm gonna say here is uh i love the i love the addition of nick Plummer. uh nick Plummer was a guy that the cardinals would have had to clear up a uh 40-man spot for uh to to keep him as a a prospect and uh he they didn't have the 40-man spot for him so former first round pick uh had a breakout year this year finally figured it all out really good left-handed bat I, i'm i'm high on him he actually is in the mets top 10 uh for their pr- like top 10 prospect. So, I mean, to also a rare opportunity to sign a minor league free agent uh, and instantly he is a top 10 prospect. They did it because they were able to outbid everybody uh, and gave him a lot more money than any other team would have got. Uh, Nick Plummer, another like low key savvy pickup that uh, should be a good fourth outfielder for them and, and has some upside. So, I mean, they did a little bit of everything. It wasn't just like the, the big showy in your face moves. I mean, they, they, they are doing good things over there uh, in Queens and, uh, Steve Cohen got got to tip the cap, you know, got to tip the cap. He's, he's he definitely is trying to win, but he's not just doing it by blindly throwing cash left and right. And I think you'd be happy that the Mets didn't trade away Francisco Alvarez. They didn't trade away Mark Vientos. They didn't trade away Brett Beatty. They didn't trade away a lot of their great prospects too. So the team is loaded right now and they have reinforcements coming up the pipeline. When's the last time you said that about the New York Mets stand up Queens? Yeah. Right. Like that's the thing too, man. Like you, the old Mets would have depleted that shit. Oh yeah. They would have been Francisco like, Mantos would be gone. As soon as he got put on a top 100, he'd be gone. Gone. And, and they're, they're not even trading Ronnie Mauricio. Like they are building for sustainable success as well. I think that's a great point. Let's talk about the Atlanta Braves. I would grade the Atlanta Braves off season an a minus. I think a minus is pretty fair. They traded away, traded away. They traded for Matt Olson, but they lost Freddie Freeman. They also brought back Eddie Rosario. They brought Alex Dickerson from the Giants. Now he's an Atlanta Brave. They also got Brock Holt, which is a pretty good signing. And they got Manny Pena to back up the catcher position. They didn't really add anything to the starting rotation because they didn't really need to. Similar to the Marlins, this is one of the deepest rotations in the sport. But the bullpen is where they killed it. Kenley Jansen, one year, $16 million. I freaking love that deal. I thought he was going to get a three, four year deal for 45 million, 50 million. And I was like, yeah, that would be terrible. But Kenley Jansen last year was phenomenal. And on a one year deal, love that deal. Colin McHugh, another guy who's been unreal the past couple seasons between the Astros and the race, they got him. And they also got Tyler Thornburg, which is, you know, technically a player. And 
Ronald Cooney Jr. is healthy. He's getting yeah. healthier. So that's an A in itself. But the reason why I don't think it's an A, similar to the Mets, is they did, in fact, lose Freddie Freeman. They lost Jock Peterson. You know, they lost Jorge Soler. They lost Jesse Chavez, who was a big bullpen piece for them down the stretch. Another big bullpen piece they lost is Chris Martin. Drew Smiley was a guy who was plugging in the playoffs. You know, they they lost Ender and Ciarte, which I doubt they care that much about. But <laughs> no one cares. They, they did lose out on Freddie Freeman. But arguably, Matt Olson is the best alternative, maybe outside of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So I don't think that the Braves... I think that the Braves are better than they were last year. Maybe you can make the argument, you know, they lost all the outfielders. Maybe I'm taking that back a little bit, but I do think that overall this off season was an a minus. What's, what are you feeling? Don't sleep on the Kirby Yates signing either. Um, Kirby Yates, man. I mean, they signed him to a two year deal after he missed all of last year and missed pretty much all of 2020 uh, with an injury. But in 2019, 41 saves. He led baseball with a 1-1-9 ERA and 41 saves. Uh, and the year before that, 63 innings, a 2-1-4 ERA. This, this guy's nasty when, he, when he's healthy. Former All-Star in 2019. Could be a dude uh, for them. So I love, I love the upside there. If he's healthy, that is a great, great pickup. We'll see when he's supposed to return. Here's the thing. We talked about Alex Anthopoulos and how he's one of the best execs in baseball. Uh, it's a ruthless move to let Freddie Freeman walk. But from a baseball standpoint, Matt Olson was better offensively last year. Um, you know, I, I know Freddie Freeman is the definition of consistency, but Olson, you know, was, was a Hank Aaron award finalist. I mean, we're talking about a guy that is a ridiculous masher in one of the most pitcher friendly parks now goes to a more neutral site. I really think, you know, I don't, I think Freeman's going to age like fine wine. He's going to be 135 WRC oh, yeah. plus guy almost every year. But Matt <laughs> Olson is, is an elite defender who is on the upswing offensively. He continues to get better in, in terms of K rate, in terms of power, in terms of WRC plus, in terms of everything. everything. You, <laughs> yeah, everything. <laughs> literally everything. I, I think that as a baseball team from that move, I think it jars them a little bit. But ultimately, these guys won the World Series. They know that they won it. It wasn't one guy that won them the World Series. And, you know, Freddie Freeman was, was the heart and soul of that team. But I still think they, they find a way to work through it. Like, they still have that core. And, I mean, the team, again, I, on paper is better. I'll, the game isn't played on paper. But we can only judge on paper right now, right? Like, we're not watching this team gel yet. And on paper, the, I like it. And long-term, they're set up now. They have Olsen for more years. Uh it, it's kind of a no-brainer uh, from a baseball standpoint. And to bring back Rosario, I think, was big. Uh, adds to that situation there. And we knew they weren't going to keep all those outfield guys. So they bring back Rosario. They add Dickerson. Uh, I, I struggle to see anything other than an, than an A-minus here because I, I really like the moves that they made. And, and that team is better. And then you add Kenley Jansen into what was already a really good bullpen down the stretch. I, I like we talked about a couple episodes ago. I trust almost every single one of these relievers in the back end to close the game if I need them to. Kenley, Will Smith, Colin McHugh, Tyler Matzik, Luke, Luke Jackson, even AJ Minter. Like all those guys have pitched high leverage situations before and in the postseason. I mean, they're going to be built for the postseason yet again. Absolutely. They, that's the point. They are built for the postseason. They have incredible starting pitching. They have, I think, the best bullpen in baseball for my money. And a phenomenal offense now that they're, you know, they lost Freddie Freeman, but they're getting back Matt Olson. Two things I want to touch on. One, we are currently live on TikTok, and someone commented that Drew Smiley leaving is more of a win than a loss. 
So <laughs> maybe we need to recalibrate. But also, not only was the Matt Olson trade great for the Braves in terms of the player they're getting back in Matt Olson, but how about the fleecing that they did as well? <laughs> how about the fact that Christian Pache is not an Oakland A? One of our what least favorite prospects, Shane Langliers, I do like. I well, do like Shay Langliers because Shay Langliers is a good catching prospect. That that sucks for the Braves, but you just got a Matt Olson, so that you got to trade one of those guys. And then they got two solid-ish pitching prospects, but not you know what? I mean, we're talking about Matt Olson here. Yeah, we're talking I, about Matt Olson here, and yeah, like they Christian Pache is supposed to be the prize of the. But what do you think? No, nah, I mean, I look, I, I, I loved actually, it's funny, I was more excited about Joey Estes, who was like the fourth piece in that deal, he can really pitch. Uh, it was a late round pick that has really turned into a good, good pitching prospect. And Ryan Cusick is electric, but yeah, wide range of outcomes. I, Pache, the second, the second I saw the trade go down, everyone's like, what's the return? What's the return? I was like, I swear to God, if the Braves get Matt Olson with a headliner of Christian Pache, I'm going to lose my mind. Pache's you know, they're not like we said. They're not going to lose anything defensively if they trade Ramon Laureano. Pache could win a Gold Glove. Magnificent. He could win a platinum, I think. Like, but I mean, the guy can't hit, and now he's going to a place where he can't hit even more. I, I just, I don't like. I don't like his bat at all. And I, for the Braves to be able to to trim that fat, he didn't fit into the outfield anyways. Drew Waters is more interesting. Uh, Michael Harris Michael, is better than all. Michael of them. Harris is better <laughs> yeah. than all of them. Correct. So I mean, that is ideal. And to get Olsen immediately locked up after for eight years, 168, that'll have him through his age 35 season. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It couldn't have worked out better for them. If, if you're going to let Freddie Freeman walk, this is probably the only thing that could stop me from bashing it, right? Like we talked about it so long. How could you let Freddie Freeman walk? How could you let Freddie Freeman walk? I was listening to a broadcast today uh, for spring training and they were saying, how did the Braves do that? they were kind of looking at it from like a still negative standpoint. To me, this was the only way to make it not negative other than somehow getting Vladdy, which is impossible. This was the only way to make it a positive and they did it and they maximized it for eight years. I, it's just a great move. I think the only thing that keeps them from an A is because they did have a great off season, but they lost all of those outfielders, which I don't like. I know they resigned Eddie Rosario, but Alex Dickerson is probably the worst option of all the outfielders that left. I kind of wish they, you know, went and maybe got Michael Conforto. Um, I think maybe one more big move like that would have put them over the top. But for example, like right now at catcher, they have Darno going into the season. And Darno made our honorable mentions on our top 10 catchers, which you can find on Monday's episode or, or no, sorry, Tuesday's episode, or you can find our rankings on just baseball.com. He's a guy who's just been often injured like all the time. And then they were, and then they have Manny Pena to back him up. Like they're not solid there. And then they don't have Shane Langlier's coming up now. Like there are little holes. That's why they don't get a Sterling A, but they still had a great offseason. That's why we're giving them an A minus. And I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that is fair. And, and I mean, you look at, I think what made them feel as though they do not need to, to bring back one more of those outfielders is the return of Marcelo Ozuna. Ozuna stunk though, before, you know, he was suspended and, and got into his legal issue. Uh, baseball decided to suspend him for 20 games, which, you know, I, I think is, is much too low and that's an entirely different conversation. Uh, but from a pure baseball standpoint, you know, Marcelo Ozuna, 
I mean, the guy was outrageous in 2020 for the Braves. 178 WRC plus in 2020. He had 29 home runs uh, with St. Louis with a 110 WRC plus. So even if he gives you that, uh, I think you, you, you're feeling pretty good. So I think with the return of Ozuna, they're expecting him with a basically a year off of playing uh, to be fresh, rejuvenated, and ready to go. He only misses 20 games. And uh, I think that's kind of the expectation there. So they're expecting to get something from him. But if he struggles, if he's not really back to what he was, then yeah, I think you really feel it. I'm okay with letting some of those outfielders walk because at least they did bring back Rosario. And I think they just didn't, I think they were priced out of Conforto after extending Olsen, unfortunately. Uh, but of course they were priced out. They don't give anybody any money. <laughs> yeah. They, I'm just shocked that they even they probably went over a hundred million. They're like, Nope, can't do it. Nope. Or went over I'm 10 really million a year. What, I'm really interested to see what Conforto gets because I'm wondering why so many teams haven't, I was wondering why the Marlins didn't really. I mean, if Solaire, if they, if they felt priced out of Conforto and went with Solaire, it's got to be more than 40 mil. What's what's he going to get? We know he turned down 100 mil uh, in the past. We know he's not going to get that now. I think he's going to go short-term high AAV and bet on himself. So it should be interesting. Dickerson will be great deployed in the right spots. Um, and I like the upside addition of Brock Holt as that super utility guy. Uh, but yeah, the catching situation could be a little sticky. I mean, is Manny Pena going to be like Manny Pena might end up being the starting catcher for a while if, if Darno gets hurt again. But what I do like is, is that Pena at least is a good defender and can run into some baseballs. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they're betting on Darno. They're betting on Darno. We'll see how that bet ends up going, but you know what we kind of just did low key. We kind of just gave our NL East preview in a way. Yeah. Because we went nationals, Marlins, Phillies, Mets, Braves. Is that how you see the division stacking up in 2022? Remember, Braves number one, Mets number two, Phillies number three, Marlins number four, Nationals number five. Hmm. That is a good question. And I know I'm, you don't want to tell your Marlins fans that you're finishing fourth, but you know we're a, uh, we're we're objective journalists here. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm also I'm 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 not out of my freaking mind totally. Um, yeah, they're not they're not doing We're that. Both, dude, we talk. We both have two different podcasts that we do. You do the call up. I do not gambling advice. That we both do just baseball show. We podcast like nine, ten times a week. We are weird and psychos. We are. Yes, but I'm not that psycho. Yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> I know that they're limited. If they got Brian Reynolds, maybe I drink the Kool Aid a little bit and be like, "Fuck it, they're they're doing it." Even though they still would be, you know, a little bit far off. But you could dream. I I think it's really for me. It all boils down to Mets or Braves. That that's Agreed. it. Mets or Braves, because I don't, we always talk about the hesitation with the Mets, but what I keep hearing coming out of Mets camp is that there's a different vibe. There's a, there's a different vibe. Buck Showalter is, is kind of just, you know, making it loose. It's not as tight. It's not always just like, LOL Mets. They always can't find a way to screw up. Uh, we have a new owner that cares about the team. Um, it, you know, I think the controversy for now is finally in the past and you can kind of turn that page. I, there's something new in the air. It seems like with the Mets, there's a lot of new faces. There's a lot of veterans. Now I think Scherzer's a game changer. Showalter's a game changer. I still am a believer that the, the defending champs are the defending champs and you got to dethrone them. And the Braves didn't do anything to make me feel like they got worse, but who knows what it's like on the inside there with the Braves. I mean, that's kind of an opposite thing here. I mean, now you have Freddie Freeman going out. I'm going to have to sleep on this one I, for now. I say we leave it how it is, but that's my only, only question. Everything else is good. 
You're not off. That's my only question. I'm having the same question too. And the odds even reflect that. The odds to win the NL East. So Colby and I did this. We did our NL, we did a National League preview where we picked division winners based on value, based on betting odds. And the Braves were plus 145 to win, and the Mets were plus 155 to win. Like it wow. really is razor thin. Yeah. And and if I'm saying the Braves, I think will win the NL East, that shouldn't be, oh, I don't think the Mets are a playoff team. I think both of these teams are playoff teams. I think the Phillies will even fight for a playoff spot this year. I they, really do. They might, they might. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the Phillies I, will be down to the wire in the wild card. But I just think the Braves, like the Braves just won a World Series. Like they are the World Series champions. The, and they didn't just beat anybody. They went and beat the 95 win Brewers. They went and beat the 106-win Dodgers. Then they beat the best offense I've ever seen in my life in the 95-win Houston Astros. They are... The seven-hitting Kyle Tucker Astros. The seven-hitting Kyle Tucker Astros. This team won it without Ronald Acuna Jr. They have the same rotation. They have a better bullpen. And they have basically the same lineup. Outside of Freddie Freeman, you just add Matt Olson. And I guess a little bit less of outfield depth. I just think this team has to be behind the Dodgers, the second best team in the national league right now. And, and easily a top five team in the entire sport. So that's why I just have the Braves a little bit ahead, but I, you can make the argument that the Mets are the third best team in the national league, but the Braves might be the second best team in the national league. No, I'm with you hundred percent. And I think that rotation could, could naturally get better. Uh, Another friend of the show, Tucker Davidson, uh, I mean, I think that that's a guy that could take a step up and be a, a really solid five for it's them. Huascar Huascar Noah was not part of of really the equation for them because after he missed <laughs> so much time for for losing that boxing match with the with with the bench, uh, he he didn't have his legs back under him in the postseason. He just wasn't himself. We know how good he know it can be, and he's still only twenty three. That's a guy that could take it up another level. Ian Anderson, he's twenty three. He could take it up another level. Max Fried is still. You know, just it seems like he continues to get better. And Charlie Morton is an angel's wonder. So then I talk about what whatever they get out of Ozuna, because that's a guy that was not part of their their ball club last year either. And again, Olsen could be better than Freeman. He could be the best hitter in baseball, like in the National League. If, if we're like, that's the craziest part in terms of pure production. Like he could be up there with anybody. Obviously, not the best. I'd say he could be top five. So like in terms of production, he could be right there. Him and Acuna could be the, one of the scariest duos, and and having him back too. It, this team is is really darn good, and I, yeah, like I said, it's got to be. They probably got to be the team to beat. If Ozzy Albie stops switch hitting, I'm yeah. all in. That's that's <laughs> when they in. get the that's I'm when they get in. the A off season when Ozzy Albie decides to not switch hitting. If, if Alex Anthopoulos can convince Ozzy Albie to stop switch hitting, A plus. So Arm and I are going to continue to grade the rest of the divisions NL Central. I think we should do. NL Central on Friday's episode. What are you thinking about that one? I think that's, I think I like that idea. NL Central, maybe even do AL East. We'll see. We'll see what division we do on Friday, but Arm and I will be back to start grading these off seasons. Of course, get your Just Baseball merch in the episode description. The link is in there. I'm rocking my Just Baseball tee. Arm's rocking his baseball for everyone. Just baseball shirt brought to us by the great people over at Pillbox Bat Company. We will be doing a giveaway with them most likely on the day that this episode is released so go check out at just baseball fans on our instagram at just bb media on our twitter you will find that giveaway and i don't want to spoil it yet even though this comes out the day can we spoil it yeah we can spoil it it's freaking sick jeff conine is giving away a freaking bat 
This is sick. And for the NLEs preview, all you Marlins fans, go flood to the Instagram. Go flood to the Trevor. Trevor. What did I Trevor. Twitter. Twitter. Go flood there. We've been talking for about an hour and 20 minutes. So, Arm, you got anything before we leave? No, I'm, this bat is super cool. Um, it's it pillbox kills it with it, and and I'm you'll be you'll be happy you got it. Uh, so definitely try and try and win that thing. It's one of the cooler giveaways we're gonna be able to do, and then we have another one coming up pretty soon too. Thanks to the 100k on TikTok. So we're just giving shit away with baseball season happening, and, and I'm I'm just really happy that we have an opportunity to give some stuff away. So it should be fun and uh, get involved because uh, you, you might have a chance to win this thing. I never win anything, but you might. <laughs> I want to I want to end the episode with a shout out to my friend DJ DJ has been listening to episode one he's one of my best friends from home and he said that the past month the content that we've been putting out he gets angry when he doesn't see the podcast ready for him when he wakes up at 5 30 in the morning so DJ I hope you're listening to this at 5 30 a.m while you work out I miss you bro and arm do you have anyone to shout out right now just my pops my dad yeah. uh, shout out to my my late father uh Five years ago today, as we recorded it, he actually passed away. I uh, just put a story up of, on her, our whole journey uh, through the baseball landscape. Um, and, and, you know, just pretty much how much that's inspired us to like keep this going. And, and on, on my side, just inspired me to keep working in baseball. Um, shared that with my father my whole life. And uh, it's a big reason why we, we are so into this and why I've been so entrenched in baseball my whole life. And uh, I owe everything to my father. I wouldn't be doing this without him. Uh, and I know he'd be a big fan of the JB show. Uh, and he'd be happy, happy that we just chop it up with buddies every day. And uh, I can't thank you all enough for making this a reality. And um, yeah, just shout out Armando Layton. Uh, wouldn't be here without him. We love you, brother. And that article he wrote, people, if you read one article in your entire life, seriously, that one, I'm telling you, that is the one. It may, I've read it probably three or four times on every single time, just smile the other time, which is misty eyes. Like it's hard not to. I mean, it's written so beautifully and it's not just about the story of arm and his dad it's really the story of how it's about baseball like that's what baseball is to its core it's dad and son and i'm t- like telling you like even talking about it right now it's making me you know it's making me tear up so it's it's a phenomenal article it's available now on just baseball.com and we also want to shout out fish stripes as well because that's where you ended up writing the article as well Yep. Originally, that's where it came out and I uh, was excited to add a little bit to it and repurpose it. So it's called uh, Lost and Found, How Baseball Saved Me. Um, and yeah, you can check that out at JustBaseball.com. I really appreciate it. And with that, thank you. Everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.